Welcome to Kids Considered, a podcast from UC Davis Children's Hospital, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. Hi there. I have a one-year-old daughter, and recently she's been really fussy, drooling more with her teeth coming in. Is this normal for teething? What can I give her to help relieve the pain? This is so common, isn't it? I mean, this is like this is like bread and butter, like in the pediatrician's office, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I see this all the time. Uh-huh. But we already talked about teeth in a way when we talked about dental health. Yes, you're absolutely right about that. But this topic of teething specifically is so complex and so full of myths and and different things that it really deserves its own episode and. I have to confess, you know, we have a expert in the field usually review each episode that we're putting together. And so when I was writing this, I reached out to a really, really experienced general pediatrician that's been working with us. And I had kind of typed up all of the things I wanted to talk about. And she was so funny and replied, you know, to my email saying, this is a great topic, but I just have to let you know that my biased opinion is that most teething symptoms are just totally old wives tales. And that really it's like we blame everything on teething when there's really not very much data to actually support that um, these that teething is like the cause of all of these symptoms. Mm-hmm. They're and, like normal developmental <laughs> stages that kids go through. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. And so I thought that was such like an insightful and and kind of just made me laugh a little bit too because I think sometimes as a general pediatrician, we don't know, right? Like, oh, the kid's drooling, the kid's not sleeping well. And sometimes it's just easier in the office to be like, yeah, maybe they're teething. <laughs> Maybe they're teething, right? Is, is that, what are we going to do next? Growing pains? Is that a thing? Uh, oh, yeah, wait, I'm getting right. way Maybe off topic now. <laughs> Maybe they're teething. So, yeah. um, but I do think that that this is something that so many parents have concerns about, and and something we talk about all the time. So it's important we we chat about it today. So many parents know about teething kids, or really just all infants, really, um, that they, they want to chew on everything. And so for me, as an infectious disease doctor, you know, it kind of drives me crazy. But on the <laughs> other hand, it's like good for kids to be exposed to things, so I guess that's okay. <laughs> and they're sticking stuff in their mouth, and they're chewing on them. But how do we really define teething? Is there any agreement as to what are the classic features of teething? Does it occur when you can see a firm white bump under the gum, the tooth is just erupting? Or is it only on the day or two surrounding the eruption of the tooth when you might see some redness, swelling, and even a bit of torn gum? Mm -hmm. So that's really the problem, right, is that we don't really have this definition for teething. And many of us are frequently referring to different stages when we discuss it. Um, So really the eruption of the new teeth coming through the gums, when you actually see that tooth coming through, that may be a painful time. And during the actual eruption, your infant may have poor sleep, a fussy day or two, but there can also be a lot of myths that we want to talk about and debunk today with teething. Mm-hmm. So in this podcast episode, we will discuss all things teething. So when it usually occurs and how long it lasts and what the typical quote-unquote symptoms are associated with it. Mm-hmm. And importantly, strategies to help as the tooth actually erupts, and even more importantly, strategies that you really want to avoid because they can be dangerous to your infant. 
So let's get back to the basics of tooth development. At what age do kids usually get their first tooth? Right. And this is hugely variable from kid to kid. Um, on average, we say that infants will usually get their first tooth anywhere between 6 and 12 months, with 7 months being the average. And the lower central incisor, that middle two teeth in the front, they're usually the first to appear. But again, this can be variable, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And most kids will have all 20 of their primary or their baby teeth by 30 months old. Um, this includes eight incisors, four canines, and eight molars. Uh, on average, once your child starts to get their teeth, they will get about one tooth per month between the months of six months and 30 months. And interestingly, sometimes girls get their teeth a little earlier than boys. Girls always are more mature <laughs> we're, than boys. We're more advanced. <laughs> right. <laughs> So as Dr. Lena mentioned, this process can be quite variable. So if your child hasn't had their first tooth by age 16 months, or it's been more than six months from the average time a tooth is expected to develop, then it's worth bringing up to your pediatrician or your dentist. Delayed teething is usually a normal variation in dental development in an otherwise healthy child, but it's worth checking out. And we're not going to talk much today about brushing or fluoride or seeing the dentist, all very, very important topics, because we covered those in a separate podcast on dental health that we recorded in September 2019. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and have a look back um, through our old episodes. Teething has long been blamed for various symptoms throughout history. From the 16th to the 19th century in France, 50% of all infant deaths were attributed to teething. <laughs> That's like on the death certificate, teething. Mm -hmm. um, of course, that is not true. And in reality, some of the dangerous treatments that they would prescribe for teething during this period actually probably contributed to an increased mortality. Um, but we're not going to go through all the history of teething. Mm -hmm. Although we should do some historical podcasts at some point. Huh? Yeah, it's always fun to look at that. So let's talk about how a parent may know that their child is starting to teeth. Mm -hmm. And this is a great question. And so many times parents will come into my office, even at like the four-month well-child check, and they'll notice an increased amount of drool. They're more interested in bringing items to their mouth, and they're wondering if they might be teething. So it's possible, but more likely they're just learning to explore their world. And it's normal for babies to drool and to explore their world by putting things in their mouths. Usually you will be able to see some signs of the teeth coming to erupt by these little mounds that start coming up on the gums. Um, the most common reported symptoms of teething are drooling, maybe some increased irritability. And even though parents report symptoms like this, there have been a few studies that have not been able to correlate a change in drooling and irritability in the absence of the actual tooth poking up through the skin. So that's only really like a two or three day period of the actual eruption. So just those little mounds developing, really, you shouldn't be blaming that all on teething. <laughs> mm -hmm. So when I was in training, fevers were blamed for teething, um, that the fevers would be low-grade fevers, and the pediatricians would sometimes say, oh, that's just from teething. Is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, it still actually is a pretty common myth, but the data actually shows that a true fever, which means a temp greater than 100.4, 
is actually not likely to be caused by teething alone. So if the fever persists, it may actually be something like an infection, like an ear infection or a viral infection, and you should see your pediatrician. Right. It's possible that some babies experience more discomfort than others in the day or two surrounding a tooth eruption. But in the absence of signs of that actual breakthrough of the skin, the eruption, it's really unwise to attribute your baby's changes in activity to teething. And, you know, one one interesting comparison that I heard is, like, we never see older kids that are getting their adult teeth mm-hmm. for this, right? Like, if you have, like, a six-year-old or something that, that you know, lost their first tooth and then maybe their next one's going to be coming in soon, we never see them for pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It's, it's just a little different. Yeah. So some other symptoms that have historically been attributed to teething are decreased appetite for liquids, congestion, diarrhea, vomiting, cough, rashes, or as we mentioned, fever. But actual clinical studies do not support these symptoms being associated with teething, although I'm sure some parents will disagree with us on this, you know, based on their own personal experiences with yes. their children. Right. So let's talk about alleviating the symptoms. So I'm curious what what your go-to when you were in training was. Was it like a cold silver spoon or something like that? You know, many doctors at that time (laughs) recommended a little bit of brandy or whiskey. (laughs) And it was felt that not only would it like somehow soothe the child, but calm them down, but that it would kind of numb their gums. And I just want to be perfectly clear, we are not recommending any alcohol for infants. None. Yeah, that's, Zero. that is a no-no. That is a big no-no. There are about a gazillion teething toys available online. Um, and I think it can be really hard for parents to know what are safe and what should be avoided. So plastic, rubber, silicone, and latex chew toys are great for soothing possibly aching gums. Babies in general like chewing on such toys, even in the absence of tooth eruption, but parents should avoid certain plastic toys due to the potential presence of phthalates or BPA. Right. And a damp washcloth that you throw in the freezer just for like 15 to 30 minutes is a great affordable option. And for kids who are taking solid food, so usually those six months and up, Teething biscuits or semi-cold frozen fruits can be great for them. They have these little, like, mesh feeders where you, like, put some, like, semi-frozen fruit in there, and then they can just kind of, like, suck on it um, without the choking risk. Um, but, of course, with all things feeding, supervision is key to, to make sure that, that your child doesn't choke. If a parent feels that they need teething rings, they want to look for something that is solid, that's not filled with liquid, because the risk of puncturing the plastic could then end up releasing that liquid. So you can chill them in the the refrigerator or the freezer if your child is soothed by cold, but you don't want them to be rock hard because this can bruise the gum when the child's chewing it, and it can damage the new teeth underneath. Dr. Dean, have you heard about these, like, teething necklace and bracelet crazes? Yeah, I've seen some kids with them, and they make me nervous because they look like they might be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so teething necklaces and bracelets, they're typically made of amber, wood, marble, or silicone. They're beads, and it's just basically just looks like a necklace, and it's made for easy access during periods of teething so that the child could kind of, like, gnaw on the necklace or chew on the on the bracelet. 
but there's a significant risk of choking um, if the necklace breaks because they're pretty small pieces. And there's also a strangulation risk, you know, if it gets caught on something and it's around the child's neck. So the sellers of the amber teething necklaces claim that when the amber beads are warmed by the baby's body temperature, they release a pain-relieving substance. And additionally, they promote claims that they stimulate the thyroid gland to help control drooling and improve the ability of the immune system to reduce inflammation in the ears, throat, stomach, and respiratory systems. However, there's no scientific research or evidence to back up these claims. Mm -hmm. So best to stay away from these necklaces and bracelets altogether and instead opt for a more traditional option or even use what you have around the house, a clean washcloth or even your finger. Clean finger. Clean finger. (laughs) It's also important to check the Consumer Product Safety Commission regularly to make sure that there are no recalls or safety issues with other teething toys or any products for that matter. And we have provided that link on our website. We should also talk about medications used for teething because these have made the news in recent years for some significant and dangerous side effects. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So we recommend all parents stay away from homeopathic teething tablets that contain the plant poison belladonna as well as gels with benzocaine in them. Both of these medications are marketed to help numb the pain of teething. And luckily, the FDA did intervene and removed many of these products from the market, but it's still possible they may be out there. So it's important to keep your eyes open. So benzocaine is a numbing medication. It's been shown to rarely cause something called methemoglobinemia. Mm-hmm. And methemoglobinemia decreases your body's ability to carry and deliver oxygen. So symptoms usually will occur within the first few hours of ingestion of this and Your child's skin, lips, nails may look kind of pale, gray, or bluish in color. They can cause shortness of breath, fatigue, lightheadedness, and an elevated heart rate. Atropa belladonna is a poisonous plant some may know by the name the deadly nightshade. It's, I actually Googled it, and it's a beautiful plant. Um, so you may want it in your yard, but probably not if you have kids or pets around <laughs> because it is very toxic to eat. Yeah, so belladonna can easily accumulate to toxic amounts and cause what we refer to in medicine as anticholinergic toxicity. Yeah, and what this means is that drugs that have this property block the action of an important neurotransmitter in our nervous system. It's called acetylcholine. And toxic amounts can lead to seizures, difficulty breathing, excessive sleepiness, muscle weakness, the skin looking really flushed, constipation, difficulty urinating, and agitation. And during my training, we did see a case of this from that belladonna teething tablet um, admitted to our hospital. And everybody was like, what is going on? And sure enough, that was it. Yeah, so the kid is basically poisoned by that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's really important to avoid these two medications. Are there any other medications parents can use safely? Absolutely. So our old tried and true acetaminophen can be safely used when used intermittently. And then if your infant is older than six months old, um, ibuprofen can also be used. We want to always make sure that you check with your pediatrician to get the appropriate weight-based dosing. And they can be useful for any pain your baby might be experiencing, but you don't want to overdo pain medication when your baby is really just 
tired or fussy. Um, so before you attribute the pain to teething, you may want to check to see if there's actually a true tooth eruption. And maybe first try some other things like swaddling, cuddling, and all of that before we're using pain meds at the first sign of fussy behavior. So that wraps up our discussion on teething. So we know that the toddler stage can be so difficult for so many different reasons. You know, sleep is changing. They're exploring their environment. They're putting everything in their mouths. They're getting more colds. They may be starting daycare. Um, And so it's so easy for all of us, including pediatricians, to blame teething for some of these different behaviors. But it is important to know that the data does not really support that there are so many symptoms that should be attributed to teething alone. But your kid may have a little discomfort and and fussiness and trouble sleeping for the few days around the actual tooth eruption. So hang in there. This too will pass. And as always, reach out to your pediatrician if you have any questions or concerns about the process. So let's summarize this toothsome discussion on teething. So teething is the process for infants and toddlers to get their primary set of teeth. Most kids will see their first tooth appear around seven months and have all 20 of their primary teeth by 30 months. The most common symptoms of teething are drooling, irritability, poor sleep, disinterest in some solid foods. But remember, these symptoms also occur in the absence of teething and may have nothing to do with the process. Right. And teething typically should not cause a fever, congestion, rashes, change in your baby's pooping habits. So if any of these happen, please consult with your doctor. There are many great teething toys for helping your child through this period. You just want to make sure that they are safe. So avoiding certain plastics, rings filled with liquid, um, toys, frozen solid, and teething beads, those are all important. And while a dose of Tylenol here and there is fine to help with perceived pain, make sure you're avoiding any of the gels, tablets with benzocaine, lidocaine, or belladonna. We would like to thank Dr. Mary Metcalf, now retired professor of pediatrics at UC Davis Children's Hospital, for reviewing today's episode, although Dr. Lena and I take full responsibility for any errors or misinformation. And that reminds me of a joke. <laughs> Let's hear it. Do you know why trees don't have teeth? No. They're all bark and no bite. (laughs) That's a pretty good one. Oh, man. Yeah. Teething, I talk about it so often. And I have to say I did learn a lot from this episode because I think it's so hard not to, for me at least, I'm always trying to validate parents' concerns in the office, right? And so... They're always like, I really think they're teething. I, they're not sleeping. They're having this sleep regression. They're tugging at their ears. And when I look in there, their ears look beautiful and pristine. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like they're teething. Like, you can try these things. But I think that this is so important to remember um, just to also counsel on, like, the appropriate developmental steps of toddlerhood, right? And that mm-hmm. exploring and those those sleep regressions and and trouble sleeping and all of those are just really normal parts of being a toddler. And, and so while easy at times to blame it on something else, sometimes it's just part of the process. One of my um, favorite teething 
um, toys. I saw when my wife and I lived in Los Angeles, when visitors would come into town, we'd go out to breakfast or lunch at one of the delis, like Nate and Al's in, in, um, that's in Beverly Hills, right? <laughs> uh-huh. So um, we'd go there, and sometimes there would be kids, toddlers, be sitting in the high chair at the deli, and the waiters would bring them a bagel, and on, they'd put a, make it on a string, <laughs> and put it around their necks, and the kids would just like this big bagel and small child, and the kid would just like gnaw on the bagel and hardly get anywhere with it. But it was just so cute. And of course, they were supervised, so you weren't worried about the string around their neck or choking <gasps> yeah, or anything like yeah. that. Oh my gosh, that's great. You know, the most popular baby shower gift is, I think it's called Sophie the Giraffe. It's a teething toy, but it's basically like a a plastic giraffe that kids can gnaw on. So these things are everywhere, and no doubt you will have a bucket of them at home um, before your kid turns two. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.